Welcome back to another episode of United States of Women. Actually, our season finale for season two. Ooh. It's very exciting. Although, if you join our Patreon page, we do have an extra episode because there were just too many awesome Pennsylvania women. I mean, let's face it. I have this problem every season and I think it's going to be yeah. an issue for eternity, but that's fine. So, but this is the final season. It is also the final week of 2020. <laughs> Woohoo! We made it because everything is going to be perfect as soon as 2021 happens, right? Is I, that hope, how it God, works? I hope so. I hope so. Well, and it, <laughs> it's Jessica's 30th birthday this week. So it shout is. out to but, that. I mean, 29 forever, though. But like. Well, obviously, obviously, but we're going to still party like it's your 30th. Okay. <laughs> In a very COVID safe way, which means just a lot of Zoom drinking. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. No, instead, to celebrate your 30th, Jessica, we're going to talk about tuberculosis. How does that sound? I can't get it, so I guess it's okay to talk about it. <laughs> oh, good. Good. So, what do you know about tuberculosis? It is uh, infection in the lungs. I think of some kind of viral infection. I know it from the, it's the disease you have. We're back in the old movies. You would see a character just cough into their handkerchief and there'd be blood on it. And then they'd be dead the next day. That's (laughs) so (laughs) looking at you, Sherlock. (laughs) So you're not wrong. (laughs) I'm going to say that you're not wrong. Um, It did used to be called consumption. Yeah. Um, and that was pre- that was typically so. The reason that it was called consumption, a lot of people think it's called consumption because they assumed it was from you consuming bad things, or at least that's what I had always read. But it's actually yeah. due to the weight loss in tuberculosis. <laughs> so the disease consumes you. So it's a consumption. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. And then TB it has such a long history. Too, and there's such a long time where we didn't know anything about it, and there's just so many. Like, I feel like there was a long period of time in which, if you had TB, they would just keep you chained to a bed in like basically an insane asylum, in a way. Yeah, thinking that would make you better. <laughs> Even though they knew that fresh <laughs> air would make it better, and it's. Just- like, you would have to, like, oh, she's got TB. Looks like she's got to go to the insane asylum, I mean, old hospital or whatever. <laughs> Just be chained to a bed for two years and hopefully you survive it. Because it is something that is survivable. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's definitely, we didn't we didn't treat TB patients quite as bad as we did lepers or yeah. typhoid uh, infections. But yeah. not much better. 
No. So actually, tuberculosis has existed since antiquity as a documented disease um, mm. under different names. But the oldest detection of M tuberculosis, which mm-hmm. is the, the baseline tuberculosis, um, was discovered in remains of a bison in Wyoming dating to 17,000 years ago. So, so it's been around for quite a while, this little it's, germ. Yeah, it's been around, it's been around a bit. It's been around. Yeah. Um, so it exists both in bovines, obviously, since it was in a bison, mm-hmm. and in humans. It's unclear as to whether or not. Um, sorry, I'm going to pause. Mm-hmm. Human disease. Okay, so I don't remember. So, dear listeners, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a bit. And hopefully Mitch can fix this in editing because we paused due to technical difficulties and I have no idea where I left off. Um, Or Mitch could just leave this in. (laughs) Shh. Make him edit it out. Shh. You're the the one who's talking to the listeners right now. Dear listeners, technology, am I right? (laughs) That's because I'm not entirely sure Mitch listens to all the podcasts when he gets ready to edit it. (laughs) Oh. I think he just trusts all of our mistakes could just be in there. (laughs) I mean, I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) But in any case, so tuberculosis exists both in bovines and in humans. I think I said this, but I'm not sure. Uh, But nobody's sure if it came from bovines to humans or if they or if we both had the same bacteria that then diverged yeah so not really sure um tuberculosis tuberculosis has been found in the spines of egyptian mummies uh and in the neolithic revolution uh from all sorts of bones and fossils basically tb is like all over the place so the first scientific exploration of tuberculosis Mm -hmm. didn't occur till 1689 um, by Richard Morton. And he established the pulmonary form associated with tuberculosis. So TB is typically dormant Mm -hmm. and then it can't, or latent, I guess is what they call it. Latent. I am not a scientist. If you want the science for tuberculosis, I highly recommend a podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You. Two epidemiologists, those ladies know what they're talking about. They do a great (laughs) episode on tuberculosis. I'm kind of regurgitating that and what I can find on articles on the internet. Um, (laughs) Because I'm not a scientist. Um, But so because of the varieties of symptoms... TB still wasn't identified as a single disease until the 1820s. Um, Between 1689 and 1820, when we finally got tuberculosis as a single thing, um, Mm -hmm. a man by the name of Benjamin Martin uh, theorized that 
1720 that consumptions, tuberculosis, was caused by microbes, which were spread by the people living in close proximity to each other. So this is our first introduction to germ theory <laughs> for tuberculosis, yep. which, yay, yay germ team. theory. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in 1832, we finally get the term tuberculosis by a German scientist, J.L. Schlonen. Schlonein. Mm. My German friends are going to be murdering me for that, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then, so this was the start of the time when people began to assert that controlled climate and purity of air would cure people with tuberculosis. Yes. Okay, so... Tuberculosis is still around today. It's bacterial. It does, you know, it, it comes in. You A diagnosis is typically done um, for an active case of TB through chest mm -hmm. x-rays. Yep. People who have active TB in their lungs usually cough, spit, or sneeze, which is what transmits the virus. So a lot of like a lot of our bacterial or our mm -hmm. bacterial viruses, it's it's an inf yeah it's a yeah anyway, um, only about ten percent of latent TB becomes full blown active TB. So there's a lot more TB running around than we actually ever know about because so little of it becomes symptomatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you're in a profession which actually would give you the TB. Test. Yeah. Correct. Like I am. Yeah. Or <laughs> like when I had to go abroad, when I went abroad, didn't have to, I got to go abroad for college and mm -hmm. they made me get a TB test <laughs> to yep. go to a foreign country. Um, and then get a good old booster shot for yep. so like a vaccine thing. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> uh, the vaccine is bilis, Bacillus cum mm -hmm. BCG. I'm just gonna call it BCG. I can't. I yeah. can't do these Greek. Latin, I can't. I can't do these Greek terms. Latin would be so much easier, but I can't do these Greek terms. <laughs> In any case, um, there is a growing antibiotic resistant TB that's becoming more uh, prevalent. And as of 2018, one quarter of the world's population is thought to have a latent infection of TB. So. Oh. Yeah, That's one in four of us is likes, likely has TB. But so we are talking about... So somebody in Geek's Watch has it right now. <laughs> yeah, somebody in Geek's Watch definitely has TB. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed at this point. Uh, <laughs> but so I'd like to talk, talk about somebody, a pretty awesome woman when it comes to the study of TB. And... This is the reason I kind of started skipping. You noticed I went to like 1836 and then I was like, and currently, because I didn't mm -hmm. want to give all of her information away. So today, yes, we are talking about the detector of TB. Ooh, the detector. The detector. The, de the Sherlock Holmes of TB. Maybe we should have gone with that as the top, as the. Oh, as the oh, that's a good title. One. I like that. Anyway. 
That's a good one. <laughs> so, Florence Seibert is her name. And she was born October 6th, 1897 in Easton, Pennsylvania. Okay. So unlike Delaware, we were actually getting like all over the place in Pennsylvania this this season. So yep. in Easton, Pennsylvania, she was born to George Peter Siebert and Barbara Siebert. Okay. And <laughs> at the age of three, she, con- she contracted polio. Another one of those lovely diseases that makes people crazy. Anyway, that's Mm. been pretty much eradicated. Yay, team. So, because of the polio, she ended up losing uh, muscle in her legs. And she Mm. would have a limp for her entire life and have to wear leg braces. Yeah. So, she... Definitely had a personal reason to get after uh, infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. It was it's suggested that, in fact, this bout of polio and the lasting effects was what drew her to science uh, significantly. Mm-hmm. So in 1918, so she would graduate. She'd do her undergraduate work at Groucher College in Baltimore, Maryland, where she would graduate with Phi Beta, as a Phi Beta Kappa in 1918. So it's an honor society in her degree in chemistry. Okay. Okay. So then very briefly, um, she did wartime work because it was 1918, so you got World War I. Um, she did wartime work at the chemistry laborato- laboratory for the Humphreys paper mill in Garfield, New Jersey. So she worked as a chemist in a paper mill um, during the wartime as, as her contribution to the wartime efforts. And then she went back to study for her PhD at Yale. Okay. Because, you know... In 1920s, that's what you do as a woman. That's not Mm -hmm. unique and unusual at all. Uh, (laughs) But she studied, uh, in particular, intravenous injections of milk proteins under the direction of Lafayette Mendel. Lafayette? Yeah. So... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Hamilton flashlocks. (laughs) So with that, what she ended up doing was she discovered that frequently patients who were given solutions, given vaccinations and injections would experience Mm -hmm. sudden fevers or illnesses during or after the injection or intravenous treatment. What Siebert discovered was that Mm -hmm. most often this was caused by a bacterial contamination of the distilled water used to make the solutions for vaccinations. Okay. So you'd get, so in a vaccination, you get a very little bit of the intended bacteria that we need, Mm -hmm. that they need your body to react to. It's like a weakened form of it that your body can easily kill and then build up antibodies. That's diluted by a solution. Well, Mm -hmm. she was discovering that because they weren't, because there was contamination in the distilled water 
for the solution. <laughs> it was causing oh, patients to get sick. Just getting the needle yeah. water from the well down the hole. <laughs> so, <laughs> so her first step as a sci- as a breakthrough scientist was to create a special apparatus and procedure to eliminate completely the contamination of the distilled water. So while there's some filters or something. (laughs) So which she would then, you know, later go on to use to really be able to isolate the TB bacteria for um, testing TB. But this was this was the first step. And I we have her to thank for why we aren't all getting sick every time we get a vaccination. (laughs) So we greatly appreciate her. Um. In 1923, after graduating uh, with her PhD, she became a Porter Fellow at the University of Chicago. And from 1924 to 1928, she served as a pathology instructor there. So, okay. Yeah. She became the assistant profess- an assistant professor of biochemistry in 1928. And in 1932, wow. she accepted a post as assistant professor of biochemistry at the University of Pennsylvania's Henry Phipps Institute, where she would spend the rest of her career. So Fun. Yeah. So she bounced around just a little bit before she was like, nah, this is my home. This is, this is where <laughs> I'm at. So while... She was working at the Phipps Institute. She traveled frequently up and in, into the mid-1930s, just before the outbreak of World War II. Mm. In fact, in the mid-1930s, she was working uh, at the University of Uppsala in Sweden. It was wow. there that she created the development of the purified protein derivative, or PPT. PPD, which would become the basis for what we know today as the standard TB test. Yep. So she discovered, she established it in Sweden in, you know, just before World War II broke out because that's what you do, right? That's, (laughs) that's perfectly normal. Um, well, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think she was like, oh, I'm going to go to Sweden right before World War II. <laughs> I mean, probably not, but in any case. Uh, yeah. So, like, the, the PPD test is the one where you get the, you get, like, a little shot of liquid, like, right beneath your skin. Correct. And you get a reaction from it. Like, it's you're supposed to get some sort of reaction from it. And depending on the size of that reaction is whether or not you have tuberculosis or not. And it includes the latent tuberculosis that is not before previously wasn't diagnosable. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So um, tuberculosis is thousands are afflicted or hundreds of millions around the globe, but thousands are afflicted in the U S annually, but Mm -hmm. typically a few hundred die from it, uh, mainly infants, because the majority of us can withstand tuberculosis these days. But yes, no, the the standard TB test um, shows for those who are not symptomatic. Yeah, that's correct. The really, the part that I found most fascinating is it appears that her breakthrough was pretty much accepted immediately. (laughs) <laughs> because 
1938, she was awarded the Trudeau Medal from the National Tuberculosis Association for wow. the for the established for the creation of the PPD, mm-hmm. which is just, I mean, and it became the her TB test became the standard in the United States in 1941, and a year later was adopted by the World Health Organization. So that's pretty quick, actually. <laughs> right? I'm like, wow, yeah. that was fast. And in the middle of a war when we're not really like communicating with each other. Like I'm also sure TB was probably a big issue on the battlefront too. So correct. correct. <laughs> And in 1941, she also received the Garvin Medal from the American Chemical Society. So, the, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Siebert rose to the rank of full professor at the Phipps Institute, and upon retirement in 1959, she was appointed Professor Emeritus. Oh. Yeah. She did not, however, stop working upon retirement. Who um, does that? Yeah. Instead, she did a whole bunch of volunteer work for like the next 30 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So she uh, focused on research, examining the etymology of cancer, particularly cancers proving, posing grave risks to women. So breast cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer. Mm. Um, and in 1990, she was inducted in the National Women's Hall of Fame. Wow. So... Uh, Florence Siebert passed away on August 23rd, 1991 in St. Petersburg, Florida. So, yeah, no, I mean, and that's, that's an impressive, the woman, she lived to 96, or yeah, 94, I can do that. Yeah. Which is pretty darn impressive Mm -hmm. for Particularly for somebody who had to battle childhood polio. Like, I could I could never imagine. I know my, my grandfather did it, and it affected his health. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, that is Florence Siebert and cool. the uh, isolation of the pure form of tuberculosis, creating the standardized TB test. Which people that work with young children have to take to ensure that we don't accidentally pass TV to the young children. <laughs> Always a solid idea. Yeah. I, I do or highly just get recommend booster shots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do highly recommend not passing along infectious diseases to. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. So, <laughs> Craig is still giving us issues. Anyway. Um, Failed to join. Wow. <laughs> Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. Go away. (laughs) So, uh, citations for this week's episode. Uh, Wikipedia, obviously, does a a great starting point. Um, The article by the American Philosophical Society, surprisingly, did a really good one, um, by Anne Reinhardt, Florence Mm. Siebert, inventor of the standard TB test. And then the, okay, why does this one not have an actual citation to it? Oh, Sugar Shack. Sugar Shack. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that in. That's great. (laughs) 
I'm going to take that one. Oh, sugar shack. I'm going to say that at work. Instead of shoes, it's my current fake curse word is shoes. Whenever That's I hurt fair. myself at work, oh, shoes. <laughs> Don't um, sugar shack. <laughs> then the uh, New York Times uh, article, Dr. Florence Siebert, inventor of the standard TB test, dies at 93. Really, really spectacular um, obituary. Um. Florence Siebert, American Biochemist, 1897 to 1991, by com, And then the Florence Barbara Siebert Papers, 1920 to 1977, from, again, from the American Philosophic. Uh, for the TB, for tuberculosis itself, uh, Wikipedia, as well as the World Health Organization and the CDC. Have some great information. Surprise, surprise. Just be careful searching your symptoms on the CDC because you're for sure dying if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just WebMD. Uh, no, it's all of them. It's all of them. It's all of them. Well, it could be this, but it's probably definitely you're going to die in six days. Like that's <laughs> You are actively dying. I know. Oh, I got what now? Prepare, prepare for the end times. Or or you just have gas. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jessica, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter as J.M. Bailey writes. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. This is our last episode of season two and of oh. 2020. So... Bye, Pennsylvania. Bye, Pennsylvania. Thank you. You've been lovely. Uh, I hope everybody has survived 2020 as best as possible. (laughs) Uh, And we will see you in the new year. Uh, Bye. Ooh. With which date? With, you would ask me that. (laughs) Oh, why wouldn't you expect me to ask it? Hey, Google. (laughs) What's the third state? (laughs) New Jersey. New Jersey. So I we'll be starting you. with Ooh. New Jersey. <laughs> My mom was born there. Yay. So we're going to be doing an entire episode on Jessica's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring her in every other episode. Hey, you remember this city? Do you remember the street? Did you ever meet this person? <laughs> <laughs> Did you meet this person who was dead 100 years before you were born? I know, right? Did you hear about it? Did you go to their house? <laughs> Please tell me you did the walking tour. (laughs) So if you want to catch up on everything for United States women and the rest of Geek Elite Media, you can find archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts at geekelitemedia.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcatcher. We're hoping to get off to a great start in 2021 with several new listeners. But until next time, And until 2021, this is the United States of Women on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek geek out. out. (laughs) We did that one. (laughs) This concludes our broadcast. 